Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Well, I kind of feel like it's Christmas, and maybe not for the reason you think. I'm not one of those nuts that listens to Christmas music before Thanksgiving like you. I'm feeling like Christmas because we've been working our way through the book of Romans, and Romans has been heavy, right? And I sort of warned you back on September 10th when we started this to kind of stick with me because it's heavy content and it's sort of a lot of gravity to what Paul is trying to communicate, and it isn't always easy. So I kind of ask you to lean in and work with me and stick with me until we get to Romans chapter 3, verse 21, because this is like Christmas, in the text. And so, interesting, when the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, he predicted what would happen when Christ came. The Jewish people were under a lot of social oppression, they're under economic strife and difficulty, they're wondering where God is. And the prophet Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. It's very Christmassy, right? But it's the prophet speaking these things and saying something's gonna happen in the future. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so he says these words in prediction that Jesus is gonna come. And for the Jewish people, again, who are under unjust system, oppression, all kinds of social problems, they're wondering where God is, Jesus shows up And it's like a new day, a light has dawned. And those who put their trust and believe in Jesus have this change everything moment. And I kind of feel like this is sort of how things have played out in the book of Romans. Because when we work our way through Romans chapter one, two, and three, it's like Gentiles are guilty. This is review, right? Gentiles are guilty of sin, Romans chapter one. Anyone who's not Jewish, guilty of sin. Romans chapter two, Jews, guilty of sin. Romans chapter three, we're all guilty of sin. It's sort of heavy, right? Because it's like every which way you go, everyone's guilty of sin. And I can imagine that some of you, if we worked over these last couple months together, you're like, I'm not, I kind of think I'm gonna go back to church when they stop this Romans talk because I'm tired of hearing about how sinful and broken and busted everybody is. Like, it's not really this feel-good moment on Sunday morning. Like, it's just not the way it is. There's this heaviness to it but there's a goodness to it, to actually look at the reality of who we are and see that there's no wiggle room for anyone that's ever been conceived, that there's nobody better or nobody worse, that we're all a wreck and there's no wiggle room to get out of it. It's reality and we kind of have to look at it. We get to Romans chapter one, we go, where's God in all of this? And we learn that God's wrath is revealed because we suppress the truth of his existence and we exchange God for false gods, right? And so we work through this, where is God? Well, what we're all doing is we're all pushing down the truth. Why are we guilty of sin? We're pushing down the truth and suppressing the truth that God exists, and we're exchanging God for cheap substitutes in all kinds of ways. It's like money's gonna save me, sex is gonna save me, popularity, career, people, religion, all these different things are gonna save me, and when you find out that they don't work, they're exchanges that don't fulfill the purpose and the promise of what God offers us, And the Bible says the wrath in Romans chapter one, the wrath of God, which is his intense hatred of sin, the wrath of God is being revealed against this. And God's like, I don't think your sin is cute. This is a problem. And I can't just look the other way. And so it's this backdrop of 
difficulty and heartache and we're all guilty of sin and what do we do with that? And so that's why it gets me excited to get to Romans chapter three, verse 21 through 31. So if you have your Bibles, open it up with me because it's like Christmas. These words, this set of verses is probably the most condensed description of the work of Christ in all of the book of Romans. And sort of Christmas, because it puts on display, who is Jesus? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We're all sinful, right? And so this great light of Christ shows up, and we get to lean in and look at this together. Now, before we jump in the text, I just want to say how grateful I am that you're here. I'm grateful for the people that have been at Faith Church for decades, and I'm grateful if today's your first Sunday. One of the things I love about our church is it's hyper-diverse. And so as I interact with all of you, here's what I find fascinating. Listening to me right now, there are people that are atheists that are here. There are people that are agnostic that are here. There are people that are Muslim. There are Jewish people here. There are Mormon people here. There are Jehovah's Witness people here. There are Presbyterians and Charismatics and Lutherans and Catholics and Methodists and every tribe and stripe of Christianity. Somehow you made it here. I have no idea why you come, but I'm glad you're here. I don't know who dragged you here. I'm not sure why you're watching online. But I know that many people are searching for Jesus. They're searching for hope. They're searching for what is biblical Christianity. They're searching to be a part of something that's lasting and meaningful. There's many of you listening, watching right now that you're just like, I'm so tired of being a train wreck inside and I need hope. I'm so glad you're here because it's Christmas. My hope and prayer is today you would know why you're here. And that you would, in a real way, experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ right here, right now, today. And so if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And you could have an electronic copy, follow along whatever device you have. And as usual, Paul's words are thick, complex, confusing, so we'll work our way through them after I read. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. Because of what? The law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that your word speaks to people from every background. Your word has been here for many generations and has led countless people from all different stripes and types to saving hope in Jesus, that without you we're lost, and thank you for speaking to us 
through the words of the Bible. Would you use your word today to anyone who's listening to convict and to comfort, to guide and to lead, that we might know you and know ourselves and find new life and peace and joy and purpose, which is only found in you. Thank you for your word, I pray in Christ's name, amen. So let's jump in. Paul starts out, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. This is a really important phrase, but now, but now. Remember, we're all guilty of sin, but now. We're all messed up, but now. Every Jew and Gentile, but now. We're all guilty of sin. We're all under the wrath of God, but now. It's Paul's way of saying, let me introduce you to something that's gonna help. You've been fighting, you've been struggling, you've been wandering, you've been seeking, you've been hoping, you've been trying, you've tried religion, you've tried all kinds of stuff, but now there's a path, but now there's a way, but now there's a light in the middle of the darkness to those who are wandering, and it's not by the law or by religion, which was known through Christ, this righteousness, this perfect standing, this perfect lifestyle is available to us by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So Jesus Christ shows up on planet earth and walks a perfect life. From the moment he was conceived to the moment of his death, he loved God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind perfectly. And he loved his neighbor with everything perfectly. And he never made a mistake the entire time he was here. He was right before God, 100% right each and every day. And now he offers his righteousness to you and me. He's like, I'll trade you. I have this perfect standing before God. And you're a mess, Joe Hensler. You're a train wreck, and do you want to trade? And it's like he offers, like, here's my perfectness. I'll take your sin. I'll take your messed up. I'll take your screwed up. I'll take all the mess that you've created in your life. I'll take it, and I'll give you my perfect life, my perfect standing before God. And how do you get this? He tells us by faith, and you're going to see this over and over and over again. Where does this come from? How do we get it? It's not by works. It's not by more religion. It's not by cleaning up my act. It's by faith in Jesus. But now there is a light in the darkness in the middle of all the chaos by faith. And he continues in verse 22. He says, there is no difference, right? Again, he's going back to this subject between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. It means every single person falls short of the glory of God. It's like God has this perfect standard. His standard is perfection. And no one lives up to it. Here's me down here. There's you. You're even worse. <laughs> no one lives up. No one lives up to his perfect. His, his standard is like everybody's got to be perfect. I am perfect. I expect you to be perfect. Everyone falls short of the standard. All have sinned. So there's no wiggle room for anyone to go, well, I'm better than you or you're better. Like, no, all level playing field before God have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is, this is the bad news, but here's the result of it. He goes on in verse 24, but now all are justified freely by his grace. So all fall short, but now all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Two really important words. 
justified and redemption. What do these words mean? Let me start with justified, that I'm justified. Justified is a legal term. So picture a courtroom scene of God, the Holy One, who knows everything and he's looking across all humanity and he's seeing every single one of us from the beginning of time to the end of time fall short of his standard and his judgment across everyone is the evidence is there, the verdict is there. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is a legal standing. There's a legal action. Justification is this instantaneous legal action of God in which he does two things. He thinks of our sin as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. And secondly, he declares us to be righteous in his sight, which means it's not just I pardon you from your crime. That would be neutral. Like I'm a sinner and I've messed all kinds of things up. He pardons me, now I'm back to neutral. That's not it. It's better than that. It's I'm sinful He pardons me and he makes me righteous. Now I have the exact standing of Christ. I have the inheritance of Christ. I have the sonship, the daughtership of Christ. When he looks at me, he sees Christ. He doesn't see my sinful, declared guilty sense. He sees my legal, declared forgiven. Now I have the righteousness of Christ. This is justification declared not guilty with the full standing of Christ forever. That's justification. Then he uses that second word, redemption. Redemption is a marketplace term where someone buys something back. Something is bought back. Have you experienced this where you kind of know, you like, you know inside your heart, you mess up all the time, you keep messing up, you make New Year's resolutions, I'm never gonna do that again. You get help, you go to AA, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm never gonna smoke that, I'm never gonna drink that, I'm never gonna treat someone like that, I'm never gonna get angry, I'm never gonna cheat again, I'm never gonna do that again. And then what do you find yourself doing? You do it again, why? Because the Bible says we are slaves to sin. We're slaves to this, that we're stuck in a slavery to it and Jesus goes, not only am I going to justify you and declare you not guilty, I'm gonna buy you back from that slavery and make you new and give you the power and the strength to walk in new ways. I declare you righteous and I redeem you from those old wicked ways of living. Now walk with me. And this comes as a gift from God by faith, not by works so anything I can do. Well, how how is this gonna happen? Like, how does God go about justifying and redeeming us? Verse 25 tells us, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, right? So it isn't like God's looking at us and goes, well, isn't it cute that you fall short? Joe, you're so cute, you messed up again. Joe, you're so cute, you screwed up again. You keep going into the same habits over and over and he just looks the other way, no. Someone has to pay for Joe's continued screw up and he says there's a sacrifice of atonement. Remember, it's the Greek word propitiation, which means wrath bearer. Someone has to pay the tab. The holy God can't just go, you know what? I'm just gonna wipe it away and pretend like I didn't see that. Someone pays and it says he demonstrates right? He does this by demonstrating his righteousness, that a righteous God, again, think of a courtroom scene, a righteous God is looking at things, and he can't just look the other way and think my sin and shortcomings, your sin and shortcomings are cute. Someone has to pay for it, but to demonstrate his righteousness, he says you're guilty, and then he pays for your guilt in his son. 
So that courtroom scene again, imagine the holy judge of the universe is looking at everyone and going, you guys, none of you made it. None of you stand up to the standard. None of you've got it. You've all fallen short. You've all missed the mark. You've all trespassed against me. You're all guilty. And the gavel comes down guilty. And the payment is death. And Jesus is there and goes, hey, um, I'll, I'll go to planet earth and die for them. I'll be their advocate. I'll stand up. I will put my body, my perfect standing on the cross to absorb the wrath that Joe deserves. I'll take the heat for him. And if he will trade me his sin for my righteousness, he will be declared not guilty, righteous and redeemed forever. He wants to trade his perfect life and his wrath-bearing self for my sin and my imperfection. It's unbelievable. So that when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, the gruesomeness, the torture, the injustice, all that injustice, all that pain, all that torture goes on the innocent, perfect son of God to absorb the sins of the entire human race and offer you and me life forever. And it's done by faith, not by works, no cleaning up, no getting better, no doing it right, all by faith in the perfect son of God who wants to and has bared your wrath upon his shoulders. So what do we do in response to this? Romans chapter three, verse 27. What then there is, they're boasting? Do as sons and daughters, if we put our trust in Jesus, do we have a chance to boast about this? Look at me, how good I am. I'm better than you. Do I get to look down my nose at other people? Do I act like I'm holier than thou? Do I get to treat people in, a, in my society, in my neighborhood, because they're bad and I'm good, they're wrong and I'm right, I'm a Christian? He says, where then is boasting? It's excluded. We have nothing to boast about. Our Savior came and initiated a rescue plan, a light that comes in the darkness, not by anything good in us, but because of his greatness and his love, he comes to planet Earth and offers his life as a sacrifice for you and me, and by faith I have access to that. There's no place for boasting, only praising, because the gift of God comes on Christmas morning when I open up a gift, or if I see it there, do I go, you know what, I deserve this. Thank you for giving me that because I deserve it. It's like, no, the gift giver is the one worthy of praise for the new toaster I got. Thank you. I don't deserve a new toaster. You gave me a new toaster. I praise you for being so generous. You gave me new life. I was dead in my sin and lost with nothing that I could do. And you initiated to come and live and absorb my wrath on your shoulders so I might be new again. Now all I have to do is no boasting, but praising and living in gratitude to this king who's made a way for me and you. Where is their boasting? Nowhere. You know, this week is um, Black Friday. Are you excited? It's, oh, good. Here's good news. Black Friday and then Cyber Monday, right? So now we get the week, you know, like Friday and Monday. So what retailers are doing for us is they're telling us that we have to buy things, right? And they're going to give a deal to us, right? If we get in line or online at a certain time, limited supply, boy, do we have a deal for you, right? And so I'm not dissing it. 
because I'm down, right? Like buy me a new toaster on sale, life is better, right? So I'm not dissing it, but it's so interesting with, with Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it's a limited supply and time is running out. How does that relate to Jesus? Great question, thanks for asking. A limited supply of toasters at just $9.99, but here's what's incredible about Jesus, there's no limited supply. You will never get to Jesus and he'll go, you know what, I don't have any left. I'm sorry, there's none left. You have to get back in line. Actually, you know what, if you just do some more religious things, clean things up and then come back in line and maybe there'll be some available for you then. You know, get your act together, then come back in line and maybe, no, he's just like, the death of Christ, the absorption of wrath upon his shoulders covers every sin of every human, past, present, and future for all times and is available. There's no close sign. It's for you always. You'll never be good enough. You don't deserve it, but it covers every sin, past, present, and future. You go, there's no way he could love me that much. Oh, it's real. His supply is limited. It's that deep. It's that wide. It's that wonderful. It's that great. It's not too good to be true. He doesn't think you're gross. He doesn't need you to clean up your act. He loves you and his death covers it all, past, present, and future, but time is running out. And that's not a sales pitch. It's just reality that you and I are not guaranteed one more breath. And we will stand before a holy judge and give an account for our lives. You are not guaranteed to get home today. There's no guarantees. There's only one life to live. And how are you living? And the Bible says that the decisions that I make today echo into eternity. And the decision I make to accept or reject Christ echoes into eternity. So I love this about God. He's such a gentleman, honestly because God won't force himself on you. He won't make you accept his justification and redemption. He won't be like, hey, I know this is good for you, eat your broccoli, right? That's not what he does. He offers himself to you and says, here's your justification and your redemption. Here's your forgiveness and your pardon. Here's your inheritance that will never spoil afraid. You get to choose whether you're gonna open it or not, whether you're gonna receive it by faith or not. But if you and I say, I don't want Jesus in this life, then that's what you get in the next life. So if you reject Jesus now, today, then that's what you get forever. When you accept him here and now, you get him forever. He won't push himself on you. He says, you have a choice to receive me or reject me. But if you reject me, it's your choice forever. And so I look at that and I go, well, the supply is limitless. His love and forgiveness is available to all, but he won't push it on you. He offers it to you and me. And he says, if you want it, you can have it. But if you reject it, time is running out. There will be a day when you stand before God. And what will you say then? And it's not a scare technique. It's just true that we're no guarantees on how long we'll live. So remember when we started Romans, some of you will remember this, I encourage you to imagine being a pirate. So just think about being a pirate for a minute. I don't know what your, eye, your pirate looks like, you know, no eye, peg leg, I'm not sure, hook on it, I don't know how it is. Imagine being a pirate. Here's, here's the bad news about a pirate. The bad news about a pirate is they're bankrupt. They have nothing. The why they have nothing 
And how they have nothing doesn't matter. The reality is pirates are bankrupt and they're desperately looking for buried treasure to change their lives and their circumstances. And so they're constantly searching for a treasure map. And when they find a treasure map, X marks a spot, they uncover the treasure and it changes everything for them. As humans, we're like pirates. We're bankrupt. There's no hope. There's nothing good in ourselves to make God happy with us. We're searching and seeking after a treasure. And Jesus is the treasure. And God puts it in front of us and makes promises from the Bible and throughout all of world history, talking about the promise of Christ on the cross of Christ, God's love and his justice comes together where God says, we're all guilty, but I'm going to pay for your guilt on the cross and offer you new life. I won't force you to follow Jesus. I won't force you to believe it, but if you choose him, you can be declared not guilty today. And what's incredible on this path of life, we have all kinds of choices. You could choose to worship money, but it will fail you. You can choose to make your life about sex, but it will fail you. You can choose to make your life about religion, but it will fail you. Jesus will never fail you, and there's always a way back to the cross. No matter where you go and what you've done, the God of the universe says, come back to me. My cross was where I paid for all your sins, and it's available. Redemption and forgiveness and justification and inheritance is available to you by faith. There's always a way, no matter what you've done, what you've smoked, what your orientation is, what your circumstances, no matter where you are, the deep and love of God is available to you right now. And so can I talk to you for a moment? Because I interact with a bunch of you. And I know that some of you right now watching or present on campus, I know you're searching. I know you're seeking. I know that you're hungry. I know that you're tired. I know that you feel alone. I know that religion has let you down. I know that you've been disappointed. I know that you want something more. I've interacted with you. We've talked. I know can I just say it simply to you? It's hard to hear, but simply. Can I just invite you to, to, to kind of zoom in? If you're lost and alone and confused and you don't know what to do with all that you feel, can I just lead you through Romans and share with you some basic truths that might help you? The Bible says in Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's our reality there's no one outside that. We've all done it. We've all experienced it. None of us measure up. We're all a train wreck, starting with me. We're all messed, and we know it. No one taught us how to lie. No one taught us how to cheat. No one taught us how to lust. We just do it because we're slaves to it, and God knows it about us and says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I know this about you, God says. And the news gets worse before it gets better. In Romans 6, 23, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That the consequences and the result of choosing to reject God, choosing to ignore him, choosing to walk away from him, choosing to suppress him, choose to act like he doesn't exist. You've tried all kinds of things. You've done all kinds of things to make yourself feel better and to quiet that sense inside you, but you're experiencing death. You're feeling 
death. I mean, there are people that are like, I'm not worried about dying in the future. The world I live in right now is hell. I am walking through a living hell. You might feel that right now. Because the wages of sin is death. Rejecting God is a form of death and it will cause you to experience death before you ever die. The death of hopes, the death of relationships, the death of dreams, the death of any sense that God cares, the death of a country, the death of a community. It feels like death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. It's not you can earn a gift. You can't take credit for a gift. It's a gift that's given to you because of a merciful, kind, and gracious Father who sees you and knows you. And you go, what do you do with this? Romans 10 tells us what to do with it. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, there's something that's going on inside where if God is real, he knows your heart. You can't fool him. You can fool me. You can fool the people you're sitting next to. You can't fool God. He knows your heart. But if in your heart you go, man, I know I'm a train wreck. I know I'm sinful. I know I'm lost. I know I'm a broken. I know I keep going back to the same junk over and over. I know I'm sinful before a holy God. And I know that sinful things have been done to me and I feel ashamed of myself. He knows that about you. If you believe in your heart that Jesus came to earth for that very reason, he says, then you'll be saved. So you recognize your sinfulness and you believe in your heart the person of the right work of Christ is to come and fix that for you. When you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and he will be your Lord and he will guide you and he'll protect you and he'll walk with you. And I know with any sales pitch, you're like, what a salesman. With any sales pitch, there's small print. Can I give you the small print? Because sometimes in Christianity, people don't give you the small print. Let me give you the small print. In Romans chapter 8, it says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the small print. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There, there is now no condemnation, right? I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the small print. But listen, listen. That doesn't mean you're going to have your best life now. It doesn't mean you're not going to get a bad health diagnosis. It doesn't mean you're going to get rich. You're not going to be wealthy. You're not going to be wise. The promise is that Jesus is going to be with you forever. Whatever up you go through, he'll be with you. Whatever down you go through, he'll be with you. There is now no condemnation. So that voice that tells you you're a piece of crap, that gets removed from the east as from the west. He forgives and changes there's no condemnation and the promise that he will walk with you through whatever you face until you see him face to face and you will gain an inheritance that will never fade. And that crap voice will die down and you'll learn to hear the voice of your gentle shepherd who says, come to me. 
all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I don't know if you're seeking or searching today, but today's the day of your salvation. Today may be the day, the first day of the rest of your life where you put your hope and trust in Jesus and you make a decision to follow him. Would you pray with me? God, you know every person watching me online and you know every person in this room on campus. You know the ups and the downs, the lefts and the rights. You know the journey. You know the shameful things that have been done by people here. You know. God, today, you know your creation who's been searching and seeking after you. You know the aloneness and the lostness and the brokenness of religion. You know the people in this room that have been hurt by religion. You know us and you love us. And so today, if you believe in your heart that you're sinful, that you're broken, that you're lost, tell God. He knows you. You feel that stirring inside you, that shame. Tell him you're ashamed. He's not grossed out. He's not bothered by it. He isn't gonna walk away. He cares about you. He loves you. Tell him you don't believe and you're having a hard time believing, but you wanna believe. Ask him to grow your faith. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to apply the perfect life of Christ to your account. And he promises, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, he'll enter your life and he'll walk with you through all the ups and downs, lefts and rights. And man, today's the day. The blood of Christ will never run out, but time is short. And so if today, for the first time, you've asked Jesus, into your life, can I ask you to have the courage to just stand? No one's looking. Just stand so I can pray for you. I just want the opportunity to pray for you. If you're online, there's ways for you to engage with this message and you can hit us up digitally. There's some buttons to click online. But if today, for the first time, you're saying, I need Jesus, I want Jesus, I need Jesus in my life. I just wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird. I just wanna pray for you and ask God to give you grace. So have the courage to stand. God, I see these people and you see their hearts. You see the people that are uncomfortable standing. You know their hearts. You know the people online. You know us. We don't have to stand to prove anything to you, but these individuals have the courage to stand and I just wanna pray for them. God, I pray that they would know how wide and long and deep your love is for them. I pray that they would know that you will never leave them or forsake them. They're not grossed out by you. They, you love them and you're for them and not against them. And that you want to walk with them now and forever. And so today, I pray they would know they're a part of a family, that they have an inheritance, that they're sons and daughters of the Most High God, that they would know that and feel that and walk in that today. We trust you that what amazing grace would save a wretch like me. So thank you for standing. You can go ahead and sit down. And we have the opportunity now to sing of the amazing goodness of God.